this. I'm very chill though. I love it. Where are you coming from? Where's home for you? Where are we recording right now? Yeah, yeah it's a rolling start. Well, we should go right away. I live in the GTA. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, good. Good. <laughs> We're just talking about this. I, just, I, I don't it. tell people where I live. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah of course. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's good. So what, what got you into, uh, fuck, you do so many different things. I don't even know where to start. Yeah. Let's start. You want to start cooking, music? What, what, do you, what brings you the most joy of all the things you do? Making things, dog. You know, like I make things. People don't even know like stuff that I, other stuff that I make. They're about to find out a bunch of different things coming. <laughs> but but uh, I just love making things. Making things that will bring people relief, joy. A little bit of ease in their life, something to think about outside of the bullshit, you know. So you're like, would you say you're a great like, answer? Yeah, really good answer. Would you say you're like an like a guy who likes a lot of ideas? You're like a dreamer, and then you want to see those come to fruition. You know, I or you're at, more the hands-on. I, someone will tell you something. You want to go do it. Yeah, no. What happens to me a lot, I realize, is a lot of stuff comes to me while I'm dreaming. I okay. realized this over time, actually. Just recently, I kind of realized because <laughs> I realized there was a trend. It took me a while. Sorry. But a lot of stuff comes to me when I'm dreaming. And, and so I look at it like it's a gift, you know, and if you have a gift, because I also realize that a lot of people don't wake up with like full songs in their head or are woken up in the middle of the night with like full songs or ideas for building like in their head. Yeah, right. Yeah. So I realized that that's a gift. Because not everybody has that, you know? And so I feel that if you're given a gift, you have a responsibility to honor the gift by acting on the gifts that are given to you, you know? So I'm just flooded with ideas, man. Like, I'm like an idea factory. My managers hate to ask me any questions. They're like, so what do you think about this? I'm like, okay, well, we could do this. You know that meme and they're like, okay, uh, stop, stop, stop. It's the Zach Galifianakis with all the math equations. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, when he's uh, in the hangover, when he's yeah. trying to like do the run the numbers and everything. It gets a bit overwhelming. That, that's but, you, eh? They- but I, but I, I, you know, people, a lot of people, you know, I grew up in Toronto in an era in my like, because uh, I came to Toronto when I was about 17, right? In that era of Toronto, people were like bubbling. There was not like, there was no Drakes yet. There was no Raptors. There, like none of that stuff existed yet, right? And there was a propensity for people to be like, you talk to them in the street, creative people, you see them in the street or the music, yo, I'm doing this, I'm doing, I'm doing, I'm doing, I'm doing this, but nobody actually did anything, <laughs> right? A lot yeah. of work. It was just kind of talk, like, yo, talk, you know, because yeah. everybody's kind of in this like hype promo mode all the time, you know what I mean? And uh, I just used to look at that and go, well, it's just as easy to do it as to talk about doing it. So when I think of something, I'm just going to do it. I respect that. Yeah, man. You know, one thing I actually have this, like, I really respect that. I've had this, like, thought that's been, like, really stuck in my head the last little while. And um, I guess it's, a, it's common knowledge, but I don't think it's that common. Yeah. I think a lot of people don't, they don't realize, at least, like, let me rephrase that. I think one thing that I've realized as I've gotten older is you're not what you think. You're not what you say. You are only what you do. And I think a lot of people don't realize, like, you can have great ideas. And you can tell people what you think you are. But at the end of the day, you real you only are what what you do. Like when you when you start walking in a direction and start doing certain things, that's what you are. Well, I think that that's a matter of perception, right? 
Because I disagree. I think you are what you think. You are, sorry. Also, you are what you think. Because your your thoughts are connected to universal energy. This is just like physiologically proven, scientifically proven. You read Stephen Hawking and all, it, it's, this is facts, right? So your thoughts are physiologically in physics, time and space. They are actual things. So you are what you think. This is, this is a fallacy. But... From a matter of perception, this is this is internally. From a matter of perception, to other people, you are what you do. <laughs> I, yeah, I understand what you're saying. And I think you, 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 you put it well. I think that you're right. Like one precedes the other. You can't like you have to think of something to do something. Like you're gonna you're not just gonna go and start walking and like figure it out. Like at the end of the day, you have to f- formulate some thought of what you want to do, what you want to be, what you want to put together, what you want to build. Yeah. But at the end of the day, like. Those thoughts are great, but it it like you said it well. But like, I think it's still I still think it like it prompts you to get going and get moving. Okay, so but this. but you can think anything because even on the self awareness and you think, okay, I'm gonna be a runner. Like I I like to run. I haven't run much lately, but I convinced myself that I was a runner because I I used to think I wasn't. I was a bigger guy, yeah. so I would run, but I didn't consider myself a runner. Okay, technically I was because I was running, but I had to convince myself. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I had to convince myself that okay. I'm a runner. I can be a runner. I can run. Like I should look at myself that way. And then I kept reinforcing more by actually doing it. So I sat for a while and thought that I want to get healthy, want to run, all that stuff. So the thought has to precede it. But at the end of the day, you can think it, but you're not that thing until you act on that thought. Okay, so what happens when you're running and you have a thought at the same time? So just because you're doing the thing negates the thought? Keep the mic close. Um, No, I don't think it negates it. Like, I don't think it negates the thought, like, oh, if I'm running and I think, hmm, I want to be a pizza man. So which one are you more? Are you the doing you're or what, the you're thinking? More, I think people, you're identified, personally at least, if you're self-aware and externally, as what, you, what you're doing. So okay. if I thought I want to be a pizza man yeah. while I'm running, but I'm running, if someone saw me, they'd be like, oh, that guy's a runner. Cool. But they don't know I'm a pizza man. I want to be a pizza man yet. But if I keep telling myself, oh, I want to be a pizza man, and I went and started making pizzas, they'd be like, oh, that guy's a pizza man too? That's crazy. Okay. So what do I do? You do a lot of things. Okay. So and that's why I asked you what brings you joy because I'm curious as to what, not what you identify as, but like the thing that brings you joy is like you're jack of all trades I and mean, you do a lot of different stuff, right? Yeah. Um, yeah. But like, what would, let me ask you that. What would you identify as then? Like what, what do I'm you- I'm a f- maker. I'm a maker. I'm a maker of things, man. Experience. But you're a maker of things because your ideas come to you. You act on them, you make. So that makes you a maker. Interesting. I, I see. I see both sides. I could be talking out of my ass right no, now. No, no, it's but it's just coming to so, me as we're talking. So no, because I've been listening to the whole thing, and I think, I think you're both right. Because George, internally, I believe with I believe what you're saying, Roger. The idea is that if you think you are, then you are internally. Yeah. But externally, I agree with George, where it's like, just because I think I'm. You know the greatest hockey player in the world. If people, <laughs> if people don't see me, just don't r- drive a Range Rover, bro. Yeah. Stay away from the yeah. Range Rover. <laughs> no, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's a good one. No, but I say like when I look, golfing. When I golf, I look like I'm a good golfer. You see, but are me? you actual? Good you golfer? see me like, oh, that guy's probably a good golfer, or like a soccer player. I look like I'm a good soccer player. Then you see me <laughs> that's play you soccer. Have that European guy. Yeah, you shit, see yeah. me play soccer. You see me play golf. But, you're like, he's shit. But that's but see that's that's different. That's not what I'm saying. So I know you. And I know you look good on the golf course. And you might look good, but I, 
I know, like, I, you never said, oh, I want to be a golfer. Like your brother, for instance. Your brother looks equally as good as you on the golf course when he gets the ball. But I know he puts in the work. I know he tells himself he wants to be a golfer. So he has a simulator. He, has his, he does his thing now with his TikToks. Like he loves it. It brings him joy. So he's leaned into being that thing and identifying mm. as that thing. Mm. You go golf in a drink. And it's yeah. evident once the first once the first <laughs> ball goes off the is. tee, yeah, yeah. once the ball leaves the tee, it's evident that you're not a golfer. Like you golf, but you don't want like you don't care to be a golfer. Yeah. So you like understand to, to make a life out of golfing, yeah, like a exactly. profession. This has gone really like deep in the weeds to start. It. We never started this kind of like into it. I love uh, this. Well, my because it's a, that's Welcome the thing. To my like, brain, bro. Well, like, I love that. That's, this yeah, is what I love. Go, we're going over, and I'm like, hey, I don't even know where the fuck to start. And, that, and George, you asked the best question to start because fuck, this is. We're well, that's the other the, thing too, to right? Races. Like you said, what am I? And that's why the thing I also, I, it's hard because as humans, you want to judge people right away. You want to say, oh, you're this or you're that. Like, you know, it's just, it's human nature. Mm. You know, Externally, it's, yeah, it's yeah. not good to do. And like, you know, you realize, oh, it's not good to judge people. Figure out who they are. Because I could see someone in the street like, oh, they look like they're lazy or they're, say again, sorry. A banker. Let's yeah, a banker. Shoot, right? And so maybe they're this way politically. Like, oh, we're quick to judge people at face value. Of course, but, yeah. So, you know, it's not reason. I don't think it's reasonable to do that because if you let people surprise you what they're about, what they bring some joy, what they tell you they want to be or where they are, like you have to really understand who somebody is over time. And again, someone like you who does, well, it seems like everything, um, like it's, I'm curious to know what, you know, that's why I said what brings you joy and, you know, that's a cool answer. Like I'm a maker. That's, that's a very cool answer, very unique answer. Things, man. What thing do you love making the most? <clears throat> people happy. Damn man, you got you. Another good answer. Knocking them out of the park. Like another good answer. Holy shit. Okay, what do you I th think? I not, did not expect that answer. Yeah. I'm not gonna what lie. Did, I did you? What that. do you think that you make makes people the most happy? You're really trying to get him uh, here. No, no, I'm just. I'm just curious. You know, no, like no, it's fair. Uh, when I laugh, it makes people the most. I have a very boisterous laugh. Okay. And people meet me and they're like, man, you got a great laugh. It just puts me in a good mood. So I actually don't actually have to make anything but laughter. <laughs> you make vibes. You make vibes. I'm a vibes, bro. You're a vibe maker. I'm a vibes maker, bro. <laughs> That's honestly cool. But I also, I also, there's Zed. vibes, but then you actually have to put something physical into space. I also do that. Yeah, you're well. You're creative, right? It's like it's it's evident that that you're a creator, creative, mm. uh, that that whole genre. Mm. To go like back, the, one of the things too is that's why I, I think it's also very cool because like you know you, I think I'm very similar in the regard of like my brain is never stopping. I'm thinking as of how yeah, can he's I do an this? idea guy too. I, I just I'll think of anything. Like I mostly I'm consumed by like business and and the stuff I do work wise. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I just I've, since I was a kid. Yeah. Um, but I like discussing ideas. That's why, what, you know, I love you're, ideas. You're, it's intriguing me, but you're also like, you're a doer. You're about action. And I think that's the thing, right? A lot of people, this also dawned on me recently, a lot of people are like convolute like motion and action, right? You can think you're something and you can go and start doing it, but that's just, you know, you're moving along. Like to really be something, you have to have action. You have to have purpose, be purposeful in what you do to become that or do that. That brings you joy, right? Well, it's the idea. Sorry, yeah. sorry to cut you off there. And it's the okay. idea that when you're on a river, are you going with the river or are you rowing with the river, right? There's two, they're two completely yeah. separate things. One, are, you're just kind of on the lazy river. You're just floating along. Mm -hmm. And then there's other guys that are like, fuck this. I need to, I want to get to the end of this river. I want to see that big fucking lake. Yeah. Well, you know, it's that interesting big pond that, or whatever. Well, interesting too, another realization I had is that I'm also left and right brain. And I realize not a lot of people are left and right brain. The so, left's creative, the right's the business side. Analytical. Yeah. Ish, ish. So, I you think. know, it's like, right, right? Yeah. I'll talk esoteric ideas, but yo, you put, Sorry, some, accounting, you put some accounting Esoteric, spreadsheets. 
you put some accounting spreadsheets or some logistical problems in front of me, I'm solving logistical problems. But I'm I'm using it. I'm I'm solving those problems from an analytical perspective mixed with the creative angle as well. So the solution may be just obtuse, but it works. So it's, all yeah, you need to do not, is work. You're not taking the straightest path to the end, but you're also not taking this like insane thing. You're kind of in the middle. You're finding a creative solution to get to this thing, but also not wasting too much energy trying to get to that thing. You're yeah. like being direct. There's a beauty in like efficiency of motion, right? Like so Bruce Lee, you know, I, I did martial arts for a while, a while, right? And I came to really love like uh, Tai Chi and Aikido. Okay. Are, you, are you familiar with those two martial arts? By name only. I don't know. So what. Tai Chi is that really slow moving art and stuff like that. But it's kind of the renaissance of art, of martial arts. And I'll okay. explain what I mean by that. During the renaissance, the epitome of, of art and uh, uh, to be the best renaissance artist. Okay. The epitome of, of the renaissance was architecture. But to become an architect during the Renaissance, you had to master three other arts. Painting, uh, mathematics, whatever, right? Yeah, yeah, understood. Then you could become an artist. You had to master them. So you had wow. to do whatever, the 10,000 hours yeah, yeah. in three different things, really. And then you could become an architect, right? Then you could study to become That's an crazy. architect. That's, That's five years. 10,000 hours, they say. It's usually 2,000 hours a year kind of thing, right? Right? So... So peep this, right? So when I say like... Uh, by th- th- sorry, by three different disciplines. So 15, three 15 years. That's very different years. disciplines. That's right? crazy. So, so what I say about the renaissance of martial arts, meaning like Tai Chi is like traditionally you would never learn Tai Chi unless you mastered two or three other martial arts. Really? Right? Yeah. Tai Chi is the master art. It's actually one of the most violent and vicious of all of the martial arts. Well, it's one of that. the most efficient uses of motion, energy, cons- consuming and, and repelling energy of all of the martial arts. And it's cloaked in this very ballet-like maneuvers. Yeah. But all of those maneuvers are like, break the arm, break the leg, snap <laughs> the head. Like all of those motions. Eagle spreads its wings. There's a move called eagle spreads its wings. That's basically split a person in half with your hands kind of thing right come on yeah yeah i did not know this yeah yeah so it's, it's, it's like really interesting stuff right so it, there's there's a renaissance around that so it's like when you're talking about the efficiency of motion and aikido is like that are you familiar with aikido no. it's that one that steven seagal does and he looks like he just turns away and swipes and then you go flying right so the the beauty of that is there he's transforming energy so you're coming with a certain amount of force He's taking that force, adding as minimal force as he needs to, to repel you. So transfer of motion, basically. He's just transfer of motion, boom. So it's efficient. Okay. It gets done. He's expelling very little energy. Krav Magra is like that, too. That's what the Israeli That's, military does. Oh, yeah, yeah. Sorry. That's I actually heard of that one, yeah. It's the shortest distance from, I was thinking of from the life ca- to death. <laughs> <laughs> the... The, the, you bring that up, the Israeli military. I've been to I've been to Tel Aviv. Like man, and I've like read some books on that. They are like for a small country and all that stuff. They are some very deadly people. Yeah, the, the, the crop. They study the crop. Yeah, the yeah. Crop is very dangerous. So does the Russian military. Like that hand to hand combat. Okay. Okay. Clearly, all this. All you big into martial arts? Like, I studied martial arts for maybe a decade or so. I, I really started out with. Uh, 
I was really fat and I was sick of being fat. Amen. So then I was like, oh, I hate running. I hate all this stuff. I want something that's that's a little creative, right? And like makes me think and is spiritual as well. There's aspect, a big aspect to that. So I started out with uh, Kung Fu and then Kung Fu. I mean, I'm not in the Renaissance period anymore. So I quickly moved into Tai Chi because I love Tai Chi. And then uh, Tai Chi just turned into meditation most mostly. I did that for like four hours a day for a decade. Come on. And then meditation turned into dreaming. dreaming well, I was always dreaming, ideas. but meditation really crystallized by itself. It just crystallized everything. Then I started just hearing songs in the middle of the night and buildings. And just, just like, I just seeing things, you know. When, um, when you meditated, would it be like you just sit? certain times of the day certain out certain lengths like yeah you know meditation is a really interesting thing because there's different meditations there's moving tai chi is a moving meditation uh there's very prone meditations there's some where i do lying on the floor prone some in a cross-legged very traditional position um but also i come to realize that same feeling happens like when you're meditating at a very high level you're, you, you feel like you're out of your body and you're just floating. You feel very light and you feel like you're just floating through t space. It's the most incredible feeling I've ever felt in my entire life, right? It's really magical, right? But I also recognize that like if I'm writing lyrics and they just come in, it's the same feeling. So it's like that, that flow state. It's where you s suppress your conscious mind and let the conscious and the universe just kind of take, take control of you kind of thing, right? Okay, so there's that same flow state. There's that same meditative state. So a lot of people I talk to who are in the creative arts or architects, when they're sitting down drawing a building and they're hyper-focused and the things are just happening and flowing without them thinking about it, it's also a meditative state. So meditation is really about any pointed focus activity. So being prone could be a pointed focus activity. Lance Armstrong on the bike, cycling, going up the hill is very pointed activity, and those are moving meditations, right? It's, it's interesting. That's why I wanted to ask too how you how you do it because I started I I got into meditation. I'm not good at it by I mean it's obviously relatively speaking. It's incredible. But I, it's but I, I'm not like super. I'm a very. Um, ADD type person. I'm, I'm ADD never too. clinically tested, but I'm like 90% sure. I'm ADD, yeah. So I can, I can, I started getting into it early in the pandemic. Um, started getting into it sitting down. I started with like the um, mind body app. No, not mind. The apps, yeah. Headspace. Yeah. Started doing that and then started doing it without it. Um, just listening to other people, how they do it, whatever. Never really gone to that like real Zen flow state. But the one thing I did start noticing to go, um, when I started wanting to be a runner, that was also in early 2020. Yeah. When I would run, I would notice I go long distances, and I was also a big guy. If you listen to any podcast, Ricky will tell you on every single one. Um, I just I like the idea of running, so I'm like, I want to be a runner. Started going, and the first bit was obviously tough, and you know, a little bit of a slog. But as I started building up the kilometers, 10, 15, 30, like there was there was a point in the summer where I was up to running like 30k on a Sunday at an objectively fast pace for someone of my size. Yeah, but I would just like I, I'm three hours gone. I'm like, what what happened? Like I was just running three hours. Like, Three, 30 Damn, kilometers to about three son. hours. And I would just like up hills, down hills in the country. And I would just like be in this like state where like nothing else mattered. My, I wasn't thinking about a million things. Meditation. It was just about like what's in the road in front of me. And the time kind of flies by. And it's interesting because, you know, traditionally you think of meditation, you think of a guy cross-legged or a guy or girl sitting. But I started to notice it in other things as well. Um, 
I'm someone who like likes mixed martial arts and boxing. I'm a big big boxing guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And when I started boxing, I thought combat sports. Like it's terrifying. You got to be sharp always in the zone. <laughs> I noticed that you perform better when you're like in the ring or training when your mind is nothing. You're just here, your breath, and you're just like focused, and it's very cerebral. Yeah. yeah. And it's very interesting to to think about it that way because never would I have thought that it's like you can do it across what's the word you use like um multi-disciplines yeah like yeah, so moving meditation moving med- so tai yeah. chi is like a, a moving meditation it's, it's very interesting well, like yoga yoga can also be a moving yeah, yeah. meditation you know i think like but like how you how you approach the crafts also are really important right um if you're approaching the crafts with intention you lose the benefit of the meditation because well, sorry what do you mean mind. by that uh, the whole point of meditation is to release the mind. So yeah. the, I used to train with this monk, right? And he used to say the mind is a drunken monkey dancing on hot coals. <laughs> right? Okay. The mind is a drunken monkey dancing on hot coals. Are you going to listen to a drunken monkey dancing on hot coals? No. no. So why do you listen to the mind? The mind is not the source of the truth, bro. <laughs> the True. mind is convoluted, right? There's real truth out in the ether, right? The mind it's, is like, yeah. It's, one of the things that a lot of people say a um, lot, and if you read whatever, that that like the ultimate goal in life that you should strive for is peace of mind. Peace of mind. That's, that's like, that's really it. Because if you can bless, control your brother, mind. Bless, brother, bless. Say it. Spit it. It's true, though. Um, that's what it is. And, and it's hard. I don't, by no means do I have it. Like, I try and I stay, like, focused on that. I read a lot on you know, stoicism and other things that are related to similar theories in life that would, you know, teach you how to be, you know, um, I guess have thick skin in theory and a you know thicker mind. So you, like in terms of like blocking stuff out, that's noise and all that. But it's tough to do. Like it is very tough, and you got to be very not disciplined. You don't want a thicker mind. You want a thinner mind. Maybe that's the right way. <laughs> do, do you know what this reminds me of? Do you know Exo Levi? No, I don't know hardly anybody, bro. I mind my own business. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yo, I gotta make a lot of stuff, so I spend a lot of time by myself making stuff. No, but know? we had like, like this base, this kind of very similar like philosophical conversation with him a few months ago and he's a he's a musician uh, as well so it just a lot of like when you guys are talking i'm trying to go back and like tie that together yeah, yeah. tie it in because i'm like this is crazy yo you're into fun. mixed martial arts you said uh, I, i'm a fan i'm a more of a boxing oh, fan okay. um I, I like ufc now as a result because i do like combat sports i don't like ufc as much i find it a lot more violent yeah, it's I like violent, the, yeah. I like boxing because it's the sweet science a little bit of like yeah. the chess game i, I mean did boxing too i love boxing yeah I actually, fun fact, I was uh, I was actually down in Vegas for the Canelo and Bevo fight. Oh, word! Which was fucking crazy. Crazy. Yeah, yeah. Seeing seeing Canelo Alvarez lose in front of like ninety five percent Canelo Mexican is crowd incredible, bro. Was you ever do boxing? Any boxing? Yeah, yeah. Fought once, one and zero, oh, undefeated. Oh, good for you. Knocked him out too. <laughs> oh, word! Yeah, yeah. It was a chair. It, it was a charity Bang. event too, and I oh, put yeah. him to sleep, but didn't want to. Yeah, you want, it. Heavy, you want man. it. When you're in there, you're there and you want to beat them down. That's what it is. Yeah, Yo, yeah. boxing is no. incredible, dude. I love boxing. I love doing boxing. Yo, you know, my DC is my homie. Uh, Cormier is my homie, dog. Get out of here. Yeah, that's my homie, dog. Yeah. Good, he's a good dude. He's, he's a he good does... dude, dog. Good, good peoples. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. You a big UFC like fan or? I'm not a big UFC fan, um, but like... I don't know. I'm not a You're like, not, you'll watch it, but like. <laughs> I'll, I'll peep it. I'm not going to yeah, go yeah, like yeah. chase it down like that. Well, again, you have, you, you, I guess you, like you said, you don't have a lot of time for a lot of things and people, I guess, because you're making things all the time. I'm making things, man. I make babies. <laughs> I make things, buildings, recipes, restaurants. I didn't music. realize you had that, like, that big of a family, man. Like you seem like a, you look like a young guy. Like, no, I don't mean that to pander to you. Like you generally no, would never a, have guessed that. 
Yeah, yeah I got gotta, four, four kids, man. It's like it's crazy house, bro. Yeah. <laughs> um, where'd you grow up? You grew up in the city or? No, so I was born in Trinidad. Okay. And my family moved from Trinidad to Edmonton, Alberta. Go figure. <laughs> I think there was like six black people in Edmonton. I was literally just going to say. especially And four of them was my family. <laughs> right? That, that was your first time, time ever seeing snow too, probably. Yeah, but as like a five-year-old, that was amazing. Yeah, like yeah. snow, you get to put on a snowsuit, you have snowball fights. Like it was amazing actually coming, you know? Yeah. And kids are like super adaptable. You know what I mean? We don't give them credit for that. So I adapted pretty good, but um then I started pursuing like cooking and music, and I realized that I had to get out of Edmonton. So I went to, I came to Toronto um for uh, an awards show the canadian music video awards and junos and stuff we were nominated for that year so we came to perform on like at that time it was like rap city soul in the city electric circus like yeah. we we're doing the circuit and then we had to perform at electric these circus. these award shows and stuff like that rap city I, i'll still i'll never forget the uh the intros on those yeah of like, course yeah. much music yeah. yeah so you know i was coming to do for that and i just never went back home i was supposed to stay for two weeks I just never went back home, and then I stayed in Toronto, and I've been in the GTA ever since, man. So just around the corner here, man, I used to live in this grimy-ass basement like a block from here for years. Like, grime daddy, bro. <laughs> <laughs> like, I'm talking like, you see the concrete? You know when you break concrete and it's exposed and all cracked and like a bunker type thing? That that was like our bathroom was like that. Come on. It was a studio apartment. The whole apartment was probably half the size of this room, including the bathroom, the kitchen, the bedroom. And uh, yeah, it's just around the corner. You mentioned that you came here and obviously, or sorry, when you were in Edmonton, cooking all that and then came here, music and stuff. Um, what, what When you were living in that place, what were you doing? Were you were more focused on the cooking aspect? More it focused was music. On I music? came here for music. I was really, that was really taking off. Um, and then I, we formed this bass bass and then we made some records and put out these records and this one summer, man, his records exploded, you know, we were around town playing like at that time it was like up and down Queen street, we were smashing the bamboo and like smashing the Cameron house. And then, then we were smashing Massey hall and like, you know, wow. so, uh, we're playing all over the place and, um, yeah, and then the song, we did this song called Funkmobile, man. That thing just, you know, one day I was walking down Young Street. We're coming from a radio interview down at Ryerson. And we're walking south on Young Street towards Eaton Center. And in one block, I heard like six cars playing Funkmobile. And it wasn't the radio because it wasn't at the same spot, you know? <laughs> so I remember walking, I was with Chin, Ivana, walking. I go, wow, man. I think this song is a hit. <laughs> that's, the, that's when it hit me, you know? It was probably like cassette days too, eh? Oh, yeah, that was cassette oh, yeah. days. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and uh, I was like, wow, this thing's a hit. And the next thing you know, we were like on tour with the Bare Naked Ladies at that time. We're really big. And uh, yeah, man, it's crazy. What was your first passion? Was it music? Or was it because you said you cooked in Edmonton too? My first passion. Okay, so you know, like when I was three years old, my aunt asked me what I want to be when I grew up. And I said, I want to be a chef like without blinking, right? And they're like, ah, what do you know about this? Three-year-old says they want to be a chef, eh? Yeah, I made it. (laughs) (laughs) Call up your aunt. I did that shit. Look who's laughing now. (laughs) So that was kind of like my first passion because I was really really into eating my food, bro. (laughs) I would be asking like, yo, what's for dinner? Amen. Are we going to have some dumplings? I like dumplings. I was like placing orders, like, you know? And, um... 
And then I realized really quickly around five, I was like, yo, why am I asking? If I just figure out how to make it, I don't know how to ask. <laughs> so I figured My man out. followed his dreams at an early Again, age. Again, but yo, efficiency, right? <laughs> I was like, the shortest trajectory to get what I want is to just do it. Ask mom. Mom makes, I eat. I make, Whatever I the eat. fuck I want, <laughs> yeah. right? So I just started making it, and I felt like there was a real power in that because food allows you to control a little bit of your environment if you know how to make it, right? You control your world. You control how you nourish your body without even knowing it at that time, but you could control, like, I want a grilled cheese sandwich with tomato and whatever, Vegemite, like, what? right? I was going to make that right now then, you know? <laughs> So there was a real power in that. I was like, wow, this is kind of cool. And then when, when I was about uh, in junior high, my brother used, was break, break dancer and a DJ. And hip hop was like on the come up, right? So he was collecting mad records and dancing. And I wanted to like get down with them. So I just started listening to all these records. And I started rapping. And then I started writing raps. And then writing raps and songs. And then formed a group. And boom, 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 boom. That's how it went. It's just natural, bro. I just, I had an idea and I did it. And I just kept having ideas and doing it. So then, then, then at certain points, it's like the ideas were very culinary focused. And then other points, the ideas were very music focused. And then it goes back to being really culinary focused. And then really music focused. So now I live in this world where it's like, it's very culinary and music focused, but also like design and art related stuff. I'm going to be doing a bunch of stuff with the city of Toronto. <laughs> Y'all wait and see this. It's going to be crazy. <laughs> you want a sneak peek? No sneak peek. I'll come back. Okay. okay. Anytime. Right. I'll come back. You really are someone who just like does what, what they want to do when they want to do it. Like just. You know what it is though, man? It's like, uh, I figure that like, who's going to stop me? Right? There are going to be a lot of people that want to try and stop me. Or don't but bro, I'm something. really stubborn, dog. <laughs> I am stubborn, <laughs> and if you tell that. you don't, I don't even let anybody tell me that I can't do it because I'm. I don't even listen. I don't listen. <laughs> I just this is the idea. I'm going, and so when I start to earmark like people who are have a, a, a shared vision and a mentality, we kind of just form Voltron naturally. And I just tell him like, Yo. isn't Voltron the bad guy? Yeah, whatever. <laughs> but like, I just Optimus tell him, Prime. I just tell him like, "Yo, let's do this," and then they they get into it because they're of that same kind of mindset. And I'm just so passionate about ideas, man, and I think it's infectious. And before you know it, there's a team around a thing now. All of a sudden, you know, because I'm just I'm so passionate about it, right? Mm -hmm. And people just get sucked into that vortex somehow. I realize, you know. So I, I figure I can't lie and cheat or try and convince somebody like some idea that I think going to make money because I don't really care. I'd rather make a things than money, <laughs> right? Absolutely. Because money will come after you make enough great things, <laughs> right? Yeah, yeah, or if you just, yeah, or if you love what you do and, and, you, and you do it with you conviction do it. and believe And then in people it. come around. The community forms around it yeah. and you keep building around it. Next thing you know, there's... 10 communities, you know, like I got a restaurant in the Pearson Airport. There's a whole team around that. I got a team at the city working on stuff. I got my record Charity team. Works, I got records. my TV teams. I got, you know, like just getting people excited, man. I pointed, Danielle pointed at me there because the first thing you said there was you have your restaurant at Pearson. Yeah. And I want, that's the thing I've been waiting to ask you about. And I just, I just remembered and I heard it. Yeah. 
So we had we were having this talk because I we we travel quite a bit. Okay, where do you travel a lot to? Everywhere I've been, I've, I've been a lot almost there. Yeah. yeah, I've been yeah. a lot of countries. Um, but mostly, okay, let's say mostly. I'm say let's say Europe and um, the states. The states. Just recently, but um, and I will say the last time that I've flown, especially like Pearson, uh, it's Terminal One, I believe. At the end, like there's a lot of like you can tell that it's the, they've leveled up the food in there. Yeah, relative to Are, what on it, the international side or domestic side, you're talking mostly. About? I, the ones I remember most is international. Yeah, yeah, they did a lot. Um, yeah. Domestic, I usually because when I fly like, like flying through quick, I actually flew domestic to Vancouver recently. I didn't even I kind of like ran to the airport, mm. but I I had a thought and I always thought about this, and I thought you know I wonder why that there's at least that I can think of there's no rest um like no one is no Michelin star chef let's say has went and said I'm gonna put a restaurant in the airport. For the most part, like I said, Pearson's like raised their game. But for the most part, you go to airports, like you know, you're like you're looking for the best thing. You can't really find things in a lot of airports. And I thought about it, and I was like, people can't like they're there. They have to go there. People get excited. They want to eat, whatever. If you went and said, I'm gonna put like I know I'm gonna have the best in this place, and people like they have to eat there because where else they're gonna go eat? And like usually the the options aren't like you know. But it's not that simple. It's not that simple. That's why I wanted to ask. You have to think about the what a Michelin star restaurant experience is like, right? So, generally, it's a four hour dinner. That's fair. You're gonna show up at the airport and sit for extra four hours just. How many dads you think show up at the airport at least three hours early? Yeah. You see those, those memes of like girls talk. like recording that's their dad like but having that's, a passport. But that's not enough to sustain a business volume that will sustain that's a fair. restaurant in a thing. Now, if you go to Istanbul. It's a nice airport. Yeah, you've been to the lounge in Istanbul? Oh, with the Turkish the Airlines. The Turkish Istanbul Airlines is amazing. Not, oh my God, it's amazing. They have though. massage. They have massage. massage yeah, they walk around, give you massage. Golf simulators. They oh yeah, that 12 thing buffets. Is my kind of place. So this is what I mean, right? And so the, the, the culture is different. The experience is different. But that airport is a very transitory airport. Yeah. It's like so a, people are often sitting in that airport, a 14-hour layover. I had an eight-hour layover when I was there. Right. That's so they point. set that in there. The lounge, But Toronto is a, is a destination and a departure airport yep. more than it's a transition airport, right? So... It's, it's actually now that you say it, I realize that you're right, and I and actually I've I've read that before about Pearson, and I've read why like there's um when you book a flight through like Pearson, let's say like the airport taxes, all that stuff is really high relative to places like Turkey or Dubai or London because we're there, so many planes are flying through, whereas no like no one's flying from like New York to Toronto to go to London or something. Yeah, I never thought. Yeah, that so it's a different it's a different kind of market. Yeah, right? it's a different kind of that market. Answers the question. Even well. you go to like Heathrow Airport. You'll see there's some really good pub like restaurant. Like re- there's some really nice restaurants at Heathrow Airport. We were just there last weekend. Yeah, literally like five days ago, but we didn't notice it. Yeah, there's some really there's some pockets there. Some really nice pockets. We, we, yeah, we were kind of in a hurry. You we were huffing. Yeah, you were huffing. Yeah, we were. We were. But you know what? Actually, our security line took us five minutes, and they even let us go through with our waters. So oh, I was going to pour it out. So I'm like, oh, we're not allowed to take water on the, through security? Dude, they don't want to mess anybody up no, with bro, Brexit, they just... bro. They're like, come back, please. Please <laughs> come back. Like, Whatever oh, yeah. you what do you want to do? Yeah, it was amazing, the airport yeah. experience. Walk there. through with gasoline and matches. I don't care. Like, <laughs> yeah, they were good there. Yeah, continue. What were you doing in, in London? Um, we, Me and Danny actually went. We, uh, I didn't love London. I've been there twice. I didn't love it. So it was a long weekend. I 
I knew I wanted to go somewhere. So I was like, you know, I think I'm going to go to London. And I told mm. her, she's like, okay, I'll come with you. Mm -hmm. So we just went to London for three days because I wanted to love London. And I did. now I do love London. So mission accomplished. It's a love story. Yeah, yeah. that's cool. That's cool. Yeah. Uh, it, was good, it wouldn't good. be my first place to go when I go to that part of the world. Do you know what? So, okay, but this is what we were saying because we go to Europe every summer normally, me and him and then friends and whatever. And we usually yeah. do, you know, Mykonos, Ibiza, Havar, Italy, Spain. Yeah, you know, those, we do the islands. You know, the places Mediterranean the, gauntlet. Yeah, yeah you well. know what I mean? Yeah, honestly. Yeah. And every time I've been to London, it's because I'm either going somewhere else or I'm going back home. Yeah, yeah. And it's like that, that spot, right? So I've flown into, I've flown has like, yeah, I've been into Heathrow, has like a middle ground like four or five times. Right, right, right. So one time I went there to London because we were going to Manchester to watch a soccer game. Yeah, yeah. And I was like, okay, when we get to London, we'll just figure it out once we get there. And yeah. it's like, I didn't have the best time. Yeah. Another time I was coming home from Spain, I was like dead. I was only there for one day because I wanted to watch the Harry Potter play. <laughs> right, right, right. You know, right. and I had to go home. So it's yeah, like, I went there, watched Harry Potter play, went home. It's like, I didn't care for the city. <laughs> Yo, you're so gangster, bro. I have a friend <laughs> who goes to like, I I'm going to go to Paris for lunch, like. And she like go for like three days just to like eat lunch around play and then come back. Well, the way I look at it, sometimes you're flying. It's like, hey, to get home from, <laughs> let's say, Croatia from Split, you could fly from Split to, I don't know, I don't know, let's use like Athens. You fly directly home from Athens and pay like a thousand bucks. Or if you have a connecting flight in Heathrow, it's 600 bucks and it's like a 16-hour layover. Okay, well, I'll take the 16-hour layover. I'll spend you know, a night in, in London. I'll go see the play, whatever. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, I, I don't mind though. At least I get to see another place. You've been through Singapore? Uh, I, I've never been there. I just flew in it through it on my Changi's way home from crazy. Thailand. Singapore, Changi is the airport of airports. No disrespect to Tarana Pearson, but I'm just saying Changi is pretty gangster. How many countries you been to? I don't, I don't count that kind of stuff. I've been, lot, I've been lots. Yeah. yeah. Lots. What's your oh. favorite country? Uh, my favorite country? Fuck, a favorite place. I'll tell you a few favorite places. Okay. Cusco in Peru. It's at the foot of uh, Machu Picchu. Machu Picchu. It's like w one of I, the main ports to get to. I haven't Machu been. Picchu. I was actually looking at maybe going this winter. Go to I, Cusco. Cusco yeah? is it's a very beautiful okay. little town, man. It's uh, reminds me of like Spain or France. You know, like you go to that little cobble alley and it looks like nothing. And there's a wall. Looks like nothing. And a door looks like nothing. You open this door and alley. It looks like an alley. And it opens this most beautiful courtyard of you have no idea what's on the other side. It could be like this bank of amazing restaurants. It could be art galleries behind there. Wow. It could be residences behind there. So, And the food is pretty crazy. I ate hamster there for the first time. <laughs> pretty crazy. So Peru, uh, Cusco I really love. I also love New Orleans. Never New been. Orleans. Yo. I was just go to last New one too. <laughs> New Orleans is like one of the most unique places on planet Earth. But did you? Did and you they think, know it. Do you think Bourbon Street's kind of dirty? Uh, New Orleans isn't just Bourbon Street. Yeah, it is dirty. It smells it's dirty, but it's fly as hell, bro. No, it's sick. I had an amazing time, but I was like, it's. But so it's not. Dirty. It's not the core. That's not to me. The French Quarter is not really. It's it's the lipstick of of New Orleans. The soul of New Orleans is just special, bro. You go as soon as you land, the accent just hits completely different. 
right? And then you start to understand how the cultures came together in New Orleans. It's very, very interesting. Well, because it's a French, it's a French, it's a French colony. There's a lot of Africans, a lot of Creoles there. People coming from the south from slavery, moving and patriating that area. Like it's just a very complex, very interesting culture there, right? And so, like, you walk down the street in New Orleans, and all of a sudden, you'll see like. A hundred people marching down the street. That's a, in a wedding with like sixteen piece horn section leading the way, and it's just like a Tuesday, and it's not the French Quarter, right? And the people there, they know it's special. When you talk to them about it, you know how many. The, the, okay, I've been to a lot of places in America, and a lot of people in America don't leave America, but the most place that I've seen that is New Orleans, because people say. Why do I need to leave here? They know it's amazing. (laughs) They're like, why do I got to leave here? This is the best spot on earth. Great food, great interesting culture, very dynamic. Tourists from all over the world because it's so special. I love New Orleans. I also reluctantly really love Paris. Uh, I went because, you know, everybody talks about Paris. Oh, Paris, Paris. My wife wanted to go to Paris. I was like, it's her dream and we're going to Paris, right? Paris really is beautiful, bro. <laughs> yeah. It's real it's also like one of the most racist places for black people. I tell you really? straight. Oh, the very nationalism is like very racist. And it's crazy. Racist. It's a very it's pretty multicultural. It's yeah, big, just, there's I, a lot of big Muslim population, I believe, there. And but like, if you notice in Paris, if you're in whatever arrondissement in the center of Paris, you don't really see those people unless they're like coming out of working out of a hotel or some shit. I didn't notice. And then that. it's what? like, oh, the black people, the Africans, they live over there, and it's like only Africans over there, right? It's really? very segregated. I had no idea. Yeah, I thought, but I thought for, like Paris was a very multinational like city. It's very racist. Place. I know there's a lot of I know multi, there's a lot of black people. There. It's definitely multinational, um, multicultural. I don't can't speak to it too much, but yeah, like sure, they're very. Been, about, no? I've been. It was a uh, 2017 when I, went. I was only for a few days. I actually Did you get a picture in front of the Eiffel Tower. Probably like a selfie or something. I, don't know. <laughs> I actually saw. I'm actually like, that's Paris. I'm considering going back. Look, my girlfriend. The winter. We're looking at Peru and Paris. Yeah, you guys fucking. This, this guy's my dude, man. You know where else? Don't sleep, man. I really come to appreciate Toronto because of traveling around. Okay. Toronto was a very unique place on Earth, dog. You, as you travel around, you come to understand this. So you know, you go to New Orleans and it's kind of like a New Orleans vibe. You go to Paris and it's kind of like a Paris vibe, right? You go to uh, Cusco and you're eating like how you Peruvian spell Cusco? C-U-S-C-O. Okay, exactly how it's and you And there's a very uh, specific food and culture and all this stuff there, right? You come to Toronto and it really is a dynamic mix of so many kind of people who actually live together, right? It's a very unique thing, bro. It's funny you say that because we had a, an episode about it maybe a month ago. Where we ba- not bash Toronto, but we kind of like we we express our frustrations with the city. And one of the things was that again, it's just it's a bunch of randomness come together, and there's no like one identifying thing about like the city. But that's the identifying thing no, about the city. Said, it's interesting right? when you put it that way. Yeah, that is what is unique about the city. So many different things, so many different like puzzle pieces coming together. It's really a special thing, and it it works. And people like get along. You know, there's nowhere else I go in the world. I walk down the street and I hear Portuguese. And then two minutes later, I hear Chinese. And then three minutes later, I hear Italian. And then four minutes, like nowhere else in the world I I hear that except in Toronto. It's a very magical thing, though. 
And well, the food for that is like I was stupid. Just, I was just going to say that. It's um, it's interesting because the food scene, I always had this thing, and I don't mean this disrespectfully. I mean this honestly. Like, yeah. I just always thought, I'm like, you know, it's, you know, Toronto, people always say, like, from here, say it's got great food. And as someone who's traveled and you see, sure, Michelin star, we didn't have it for a while, and I get it, that's different. But, like, you'd go to these places and you find holes in the wall. The Japan. What I had to call through a little nook at the best ramen of my life. Like, and it's incredible. sushi for nothing. And then go to uh, Singapore and you're having, you know, uh, Michelin star noodles for a dollar. Like, in, you know, Thailand, you have all these things. Like, the food in different places. People like will they don't have to open a nice big restaurant. They'll find a way to make the food to give to you if they believe in it. Yeah. Toronto, I felt never had that. I felt that somebody would open a, a bougie steak like a steakhouse or some yeah. kind of seafood, whatever. Yeah. And I felt like it wasn't about most the food, more about the capitalist type culture, you know, like yeah, whatever. Yeah. But uh, Toronto's not romantic. Like it's a good way to put it's it. It's not romantic, but it has the elements that are amazing. But though. but as I've come around on it, like I've started to explore more the city. You see new wrestlers pop up. You see Toronto Life post about this or this article. And, you know, even, at, uh, you know, more chefs getting famous from, from the city and so forth. You see someone like Dave Portnoy, who self-proclaimed pizza man, is saying the pizza here is on par with New York City, which to me is blew my mind when he was rating them at the same level. It's better New York City. Though. So I'm starting to, you know, I have a love, big love-hate relationship with Toronto in terms of, like, some of the points Ricky made. Weather primarily, but I love-hate with it. <laughs> <laughs> but but it's honestly some things have grown on me and, and I have a, like a respect for one of the points you made like the food culture and the food scene and how people are starting to you know take some more risk and you see like a food community form where guys leave this restaurant and open up this pizza shop go to a guy who left this restaurant open a pizza shop his brother opened a burger like yeah. you're starting to see a culture form in that regard and I'm on yeah. the outside seeing it a little bit so I'm sure you can probably speak to it more but yeah, I'm, yeah. that's starting to impress me a little bit about the city it's special dog it's really a unique thing in, in the world Toronto's a unique thing in the world I also love Tokyo. Tokyo is incredible. It's crazy. City. Tokyo, sick. Tokyo. Yeah, we, we one of my for, one of my favorite cities. Yeah, one of my favorite. I, agree, cities. I, agree we, I was traveling a year. I took a year abroad and and uh, hit a lot of countries. And my my I was in Tokyo for my twenty fifth birthday, and my brother, his uh, wife, fiance at the time, came down. My parents came. Ricky and his parents came down. So we're all in the city together, and like never been to like there. And that place is a different world. Like different world, like very different world. Yeah, it nuts. It was cool. You know what I loved about Tokyo is like there's no garbage can, but it's the cleanest place on the earth. Like we yeah. literally talked about it. it's spotless, <laughs> it's spotless, it's crazy, spotless. Yeah, and I like loved it, yeah. you think like you went to some cities. We went to some cities in China. And some cities in China were like dirty, and like they're very close by. Like you know they're yeah, neighboring close, countries. Yeah. yeah, but Tokyo was fucking spotless. Spotless. Oh, honestly, all of Japan was. All of Japan. Oh yeah. Well, they're very meticulous and, and a lot of pride, man. It yeah, actually crazy. circles back to the thing you said at the beginning about ten thousand hours becoming a master and all that. It's it's I don't know if one of the few cultures, but it's one of the cultures that I've noticed firsthand that they're very proud, like you just said, very proud, but they take their craft so seriously what they do. Yeah, yeah. There's a there's like a a sense of respect, camaraderie, camaraderie, pride, where like if you want to be a sushi chef, you're starting by washing knives for like a year. Then no, no, you, no, for like 10 years, actually. <laughs> You're probably right. You know better yeah, no, than I do. It's true, yeah. Um, and it's it's interesting. You don't see that ever. It's like, you know, let's let's move to North America. We're saying Toronto, all this stuff is great. But there's also, we're in a world where there's so much that you can do and make it in America. I count Canada, but like make it in America that everyone wants that instant gratification. And it makes everyone always go, go, hustle, bustle, all these things. And it's so interesting when you see the contrast between those. 
George, was it you that was telling the story that about the chef that like had to work like washing dishes for like two years before they could even like shuck oysters? Just wash Where rice. In, in, then you go to wash rice. Yeah. Yeah. If you're yeah. lucky, you get to wash the rice. You're lucky. <laughs> yeah. It, it's actually it's actually nuts. Like if you want to be a sushi chef and you want to be like let's say you want to try and become a Michelin star type thing, like it's insane. Yo, just for the record, Michelin star is not the be all end all epitome of anything for sure F, just fyi it's got but, for, it's definitely continue. more a little bit more continue not i guess as reputable as it used i've to been be. to like street stalls in jakarta that are better than michelin restaurants that i've been to trust for sure <laughs> for sure <laughs> I never, I, yeah, i've never been to michelin sorry for, for sure i just think in, like in japan it's a big thing they have the most yeah yeah, yeah. france sure, yeah. have the most yeah, yeah so i think it's a big cultural thing too right for sure, yeah, yeah. um yeah anyways we we ate a one there that was was insane um but it, yeah just to finish the point like it's crazy how much they how much pride they take in everything they do and that's it's like, lineage too right it's like the, we're now 10 generations of making sushi. soba noodle mm-hmm. yo you're standing on legacy you gotta defend the legacy <laughs> right crazy and so it's like it, it, so okay. son wants to be somehow nah 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 son you're, yo, you're 11th generation you gotta you gotta make you gotta noodles. hold it down right yeah. so like there's a, there's a thing like if you're buying sushi rice they will say that this is like uh the spring rice Right, because when they harvest rice in the spring, it has more moisture. So when you make the rice, you add like eight drops less water because the spring rice is different hydration. <laughs> and wow. it'll say on the bag like spring rice. <laughs> it's next level out there. Let me ask you something. You said that you have new ideas. Rice. You, yeah, new rice. Yeah. You go. You got an idea. You go. You do it. What if you were born in Japan and the lineage and you had to carry on the thing you had to do? Would you, if it'd be the same in everything you know now, would you say, yes, I'll do this thing? Or would you say, fuck that, I'm doing this idea that I have? Well, interesting, you know, I think there's a value to like, spiritually to there's, there's, there's ancestors among us, right? Everybody has ancestors among us. Your grandparents are still around you. You know, your great, great grandparents are still around you and all this stuff. So it's interesting you say that because although I do all the, what's seemingly all these different things, I'm also now the third generation food and beverage person in my family. And my, my niece is now the fourth generation. She's studying in culinary school, right? That's cool. So it's, it's an interesting kind of dichotomy, like that, that, that blend of, honoring the lineage but still like carving your own path you know that's that's what i'm on you know okay i I want to ask what's the best meal you've ever had man i had like (laughs) i like good meals bro what's what's one that comes to mind one of the best meals i had in my life wow that's a really tricky question bro um And then George, over to you wow, too. Actually. That's a tricky question. I'll answer mine quick. The best meal that I can remember in terms of like the food experience was probably when I was in Japan and I had uh, sushi masuda, I think it was. He was the guy in I didn't know this till after I had it in Jiro Dreams of Sushi on Netflix. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. He was the guy making the rice for Jiro or whatever how you say his name. Right. And it was his restaurant. He walked in because we were in the back room in my family. It's like six of us, and he comes in to bring the meal. I was like, okay, that looks kind of familiar. Or I was like, yeah. We watched it after, and it was him. That to me was the best meal because it was just like, yo, my favorite restaurant in the world. I'll tell you, is this place called Davies Corner in Kuala Lumpur, Malaysia. It's essentially the place where all the cabbies and the locals go. They are specialists in a thing called banana leaf. 
So basically, instead of a plate, you get a banana leaf and it has rice and different curries and stuff like that. So they're, they're, they're amazing banana leaf, right? They also do a thing called roti chanai, which is kind of like a, one of the national dishes. And it's a very thin, light, flaky roti that's kind of a little bit sweet. And they serve it with all the different chutneys and stuff, right? But my brother, I'm talking, it's like barbecue chairs, <laughs> okay? And the cabbies are pulling up. Locals pulling tuck, up, tucks and shit. two bucks, and you're out. I, every time I go, it's, my first thing is, yo, let's go to Davies. Let's go to Davies. Is that good, eh? Do you, you like Kuala Lumpur as a city? Yeah, Kuala Lumpur is one of my favorite cities. It actually reminds me of New York, like 1990s, you know, like grimy, gritty, really soulful, a lot of stuff going on. Some of it's legal, some of it's not. <laughs> and there's just the energy to it and... But it's it's also one of the central financial hubs of that pocket, right? Yeah. Singapore, Malaysia. Um, so it's a really interesting mix culturally. They're very influenced by East Indian culture. There's a very heavy East Indian. There's a very heavy Chinese culture, very heavy Thai culture, and then there's an indigenous Malay culture, and then there's a kind of like I guess the new Malay culture, where it's all those things mashed up together, kind of yeah. like Toronto. Is Malaysia. You know what I mean? <laughs> um, so I guess part of that I like is that it reminds me of the things I like about Toronto, yeah. but different. That's fair. You, you know what's I, I was going to say, just on that, to finish that point, like I, I, I've been there. I didn't like, I don't know what it was. I love like, I think Bangkok's sick. Singapore's sick. Kuala Lumpur didn't do it for me. I was only there for a few days, but I don't. You I, didn't I, know the spots, bro. That, that's what I think because it's you gotta it's, know. A, it's like a bit like weird. It's like nice in some areas. Yeah, yeah, sketchy. yeah. I'm yeah. like, where do I go here? Yeah, you got to know. You got to know the but spots. But you know what I didn't know is a food hub, which I actually really liked, is Georgetown in Penang in Malaysia. Oh, and I, I only go, went I there because I was in Bangkok and there was I was at a hostel and these girls were like, oh, you should go to this place. And I was like, I had no desire to go to Malaysia. I was like, it wasn't even on my radar. Yeah. And I went, I did Kuala Lumpur for a bit, but they said, go to Georgetown. That's where the food is. And yeah. man, like these- So good. The carts that you eat from, is I, you couldn't even try everything. Like it was crazy. Yeah, yeah. And one of the best bars I ever went to in my life. I'll tell that story after. But yeah. um, anyways, I couldn't believe it. Malaysia, I actually really liked, but it's interesting you said about Kuala Lumpur because I had the weirdest You got to know there. the spots. You just, you got to know the pockets. You got to post up with the local and they show you the real, real spots because yeah, yeah. the local people would never go to those spots, bro. Okay. <laughs> You, you know what I love? They're in the middle of a jungle behind some little back road, <laughs> and all of a sudden it opens a parking lot, and there's this amazing Chinese seafood restaurant. Like the most incredible. You would it's in the middle of the jungle, in the middle of the city. You would never know this place even exists. It's like going down into a ravine. Like, you would never go, right? Fair. Amazing. Like incredible. You just gotta know. You gotta know this. Okay. You know what I love about you is every time you tell a story, like you're you're obviously a great storyteller. You're incorporating so many different like Parts of the world. You've mentioned, I think, seven different countries in the last, like, I don't know, 10 minutes of storytelling. You're like giving a shout out to, like, this country for this, this country for this, this city for this. Like, I love that. But that's how I cook and I make records, right? People are like, oh, so what do you specialize in? You know, there's people who's like spend their whole life doing Italian cuisine or Greek cuisine or whatever. And I'm like a global explorer. So I'll take my, my whole thing is taking elements of maybe five or six cultures, putting it on one plate but not making it seem like confusing, right? Making it still taste good and be approachable and you could look at it and understand what you're about to eat. But when you put it in your mouth, it's like, I was expecting one thing, but I got a different kind of thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and that's, that's just 
my influence, you know, and and that's how I think. Like, that's, like you see my brain right now. It's like that's how it is. Dog. Well, it, it kind of comes out too because we were listening to your your EP, right? Yeah, the, the record is like that too, and, and yeah. it's kind of like I, we're the with the um, we're listening to the tracks. I was like, oh, okay, so I kind of see what this is like. I think like it's kind of a little rec- associable. Uh, associatable is that even a word? Yeah, it's, you can you can kind of figure whatever the sound you kind of recognize it, but then you listen to the next one, you're like, okay, this is unique. What was the one thought? Um, never thought. Never thought. Never thought. It's a little bit different. I was like, I never okay, thought I, that it would come to this. Yeah, yeah, like it was catchy, and then it's, but it's it's a little bit different. Like a little, I don't know if eclectic's the right word, but it's got yeah. a unique sound. A little yeah, inspiration yeah. pulled from different places. Is and that this, fair? Yeah, hundred yeah. percent. And that's what it is. It's like there's elements of like reggae with folk and rock all in one song. But like it, it they kind of make the sense. Like you yeah. listen to the record, it, it that, makes sense. You actually, this kind of perfect because I was like, at one point, I'm like, okay, kind of sounds. Like, what genre is this? But it kind of sounds like well, I'm like, this is okay. This is different. Just good. But music, it's also man. like, yeah, I mean, respectfully, it. I do believe like you can't imitate because there's only one of something. You have to have your own sound and, and really. Well, this is the way. thing, right? And you know, this is we're in this era where like the algorithms are driving the 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 industry. Right, like the industry right now is so crazy. Peep this out, right? There's record companies out there who've spent two million dollars on an artist sitting on a record, and they tell the artist, "We're not going to release the record until your TikTok is popping." I read that article yesterday. No, this is uh, this is not an article. This oh. is like me understanding how the business works. <laughs> okay, but I, I guess there's an article about it, right? I, yeah, I got a newsletter. I like, this thing, and I maybe it was it was yesterday, and it, there was a, a famous singer. I forget her name. Yeah, yeah. That said something like that. And if you don't play that game, you're kind of outside of the algorithm, right? You don't, you're not easily slottable in like, oh, I'll add you to this playlist and suggest this playlist, right? Yeah. But that's not why I get into records, B. That's not why I make records. <laughs> I make records because I love to make records. I hear these things in my head. I want to make them. And there's only one yeah. of one. There's only one of one. So it's actually ridiculous to think if you made a record and I made a record that we could make a record that's even remotely similar because our life experiences are vastly different. Yeah. And so previous incarnations in the music industry, you would see that. You know, there's like rock and roll, but Ozzy Osbourne was nothing like Led Zeppelin. Led Zeppelin was nothing like Queen, <laughs> yeah. right? But they were in that same era. Yeah. Because everybody had the freedom to be themselves and carve a lane and create a lane. Bob Dylan is not Bob Marley, <laughs> right? But yeah. they both had a guitar, same six strings. It's a good point, though. Like you have to be very unique in what you do, and you can't like. But you don't have to. I mean, if you want to play the game to fair to, to win financially, if you play the algorithm game and sit in the lanes, you could you could you know arguably be more successful at that but it's a sh- i always look at it like a short-term thing like look at me bro i'm making records for 30 years still still making records for 30 years wait sorry how old are you uh, old enough to know how to do it young enough to still do it it's <laughs> <laughs> a good answer so right. like uh i'm still making records putting out records people still check in the records right it's because i just always just did what my lane like so you can't kick me out because i'm just doing my lane you can't kick me out my own lane <laughs> good point yeah you're doing it because you want to right That's the thing. you're it. not doing it because you need to or because someone's telling you to and you're not kind of listening to other people it's like you're doing it because you want to do it you're making music that you love doing i love doing it and people when they hear it they like it yeah. generally so it's cool you know? and if they don't who gives a fuck you don't care you're making music that you like that you that i like exactly yeah. <laughs> yeah. but that also I goes can sleep at night 
Yeah, but that's, uh, that also kind of ties Peace to Peace of point. mind, my brother. That's it. That's what you need, man. Peace the other day. It kind of like we've had this talk on this podcast before, Ricky and I, and we've talked about, especially with the TikTok type thing where it's, you know, you, you see it. People get famous for something, some niche, some whatever. For six and, seconds. And they, but then they become that thing and they lean into that thing. So now they're doing that thing and that's how they're identified, going back to what you identified. And that's all they could do now. And does that bring them joy or are they doing it because they want to play the game? And it's interesting because, sure, like I might have misspoke. Like You're right. You can be similar to somebody and maybe you hit it, maybe you get lucky, whatever. But if you're doing it and you're not happy and you're trying to play the game and you kind of get it, you might get some fame, a little bit of success, a little bit of money, but are you going to be happy doing it? What's the point? You yeah. got to be who you are uh, unapologetically and really yeah. enjoy what you do. Because if you're stuck doing it forever and you don't make money or you make money, like, if you're stuck doing this forever, would you do it forever? You know how many artists are out there playing songs that they hate every single night? Gee. They hate them because the record company made them do it, and they hate the song. Who was, um, who's the DJ that did it? Eric Prides. I don't know the story. Call On Me? He hates it? So, yeah, there's a big deal. Call uh, Eric Prides. He's like, yeah, really, Prids. really. Fun. Yeah, yeah. Prids. Yeah, that's it. Uh, he made a song way back in the day. I don't know, maybe like 2005, 2010 or something. I Call love how you say me. that's back in the day, but go ahead. <laughs> yeah, I also, you know, way <laughs> back in the day. 15 years ago, right? Yeah, yeah, but yeah, like yeah. EDM wasn't as big back then. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, So he made that song. It blew up. And I, I met, again, this might not be true, but I've heard from the industry. It's like he absolutely hates the song. But the music video was like a phenomenon at the time. Like yeah, all the yeah. girls dressed, blah, blah. And the song was a banger. So it did really well. But apparently he hates it. And now, like, it's a thing that he doesn't play it at, like, a lot of his major shows. He won't play it. Yeah. And it's like, that's, like, his levels. It's something. not uncommon, you know? That's yeah. not uncommon. Because yeah. every, every record that I, that I made, I, I'm happy to play it, though. <laughs> I'm good. I, do you I like playing see. shows? I love playing shows. I, I tell you, of everything that I do, that I have, I have done and that I do, there's no feeling on earth like standing on a stage Having your voice come out of the microphone out into some big speakers with the thousands of people out there, bro. There's nothing like it. It's incredible feeling. Not only for the ego, it's really good for the ego. Don't <laughs> don't get it twisted. At least you're honest. But it's very satisfying people to see like, wow, I came up with this idea and this energy I put into it. And now that tr that energy is transferred to all of these people. And they've made it their own and now have are bringing it back to me as the creator. Man, it's just like the instant gratification and the, the spiritual circularness of that is magical. Plus, you get to hear your voice booming out of a speaker. It's, it's crazy. <laughs> There's nothing like it, bro. I, I always said I wish I could have and like even a tiny bit of musical talent. There's nothing like it. I got zero. There's nothing, no zero. feeling like it. Other than meditation, I, I can imagine. I feel hyped up when I sing karaoke in front of like fifty people. Yeah, <laughs> I'm hype. And he's a terrible. And I know they hate singer. it. And he's like, terrible. "Yo, get this guy off the stage!" And I'm like, "Yo, I'm fucking killing it." Yeah, it's an amazing. Yo, but imagine like Thousands doing that in front. Yeah, yeah. Yo, the one of the biggest crowds I've ever played for. We did this event, and it started at like uh, Queens Park. You know where you go up University, and it splits yeah. by the University there. The stage was there looking south towards the water all the way down university to queen so you know that that's a good yeah, distance yeah. right probably a kilometer i remember standing on that stage at that that corner at the top of uh, university there and as far as you could see was just people all the way down university past queen like down king it starts to turn the corner <laughs> just people as i stood on that stage going wow this is crazy what a life this is like 
It's amazing. I'll never forget. I could picture if I could draw. I suck at drawing. That's one thing I suck at. If I could draw, dog. Can't draw. There we go. If I could draw, be I, I could draw that out. It's it's a incredible what event was thing. that? I, I can't remember what that was. This is like. 95 or something like this okay. oh my god real back in the day that's real back in the day that's five <laughs> man. five years old 95 yeah, good crazy, old days though. went to greece in 95 oh <laughs> it was a good time yeah danielle was born oh were you <laughs> yeah yeah that was it's amazing or like we did this show with like uh another really amazing show i remember is we opened for the marley family buster rhymes tribe called quest the fuji's tlc all on one show, right? Man, that was a crazy show too, man. That was a Canada's Wonderland. That place was bouncing. Oh my god! Tribe Call Quest came out and squashed the place. Like, oof. those guys are legends, eh? Yeah, that, that was an amazing show, man. Yeah. This is a little bit of a random question, but what's at the top of your bucket list? Like, oh. do you like? Do you even have any like bucket list ideas? I feel like because you I just go out and like do. That. It. I just go. Just go do whatever happens the next well, day. What's one it, thing know? that you haven't done that you want to do? I want to uh, be a voice in an animated cartoon. Okay. I feel like you could do that. Oh man, you got I, the got yeah, I would squash that, yeah. bro. Yeah, you got the squat. <laughs> oh my god, I would squash that. You crazy? I would. I, that's one thing I would love to. Anybody out there who has the power to make me be a character of an animated cartoon, call my manager. That's it. <laughs> I feel like you could. Oh Maybe man, I would love to do that. Like that's one thing I would love to do. I'd be. I'd I've yet to do. You're. You got a show coming up. Is out up? Yeah, I'm on this show, uh, Firemasters, right now. It's on Sundays on Food Network. I should know the time, but I forgot. <laughs> Seven nine. Like, I know. Just turn on Food Network like before the sun goes down. And okay, you're good. So you'll approximately catch, you'll catch Firemasters. The publicity department gonna hate me. Yeah. <laughs> Firemasters, really cool show, man. Uh, 7 p.m. 7 p.m. Thank you. Girl. That's why we have Danielle. That's what's up, Danielle. You whoop whoop. <laughs> Holding me down. You just saved my career. So, like, uh, yeah, that show's a lot of fun, man. Yeah. It's like cooking outside. And what the twist with that show is after, like, some so the competitors battle each other, but the final battle is they battle one of the judges. And as the judges, you don't know. It's like, am I going to be the one today? <laughs> right? So that's it's crazy. And it's all live fire, outdoors, live fire. There's no ovens. It's all barbecues and actual like fires and grills. You got to winch down. Come on. Yeah, it's a crazy show. You should watch it, man. They come, uh, man, Food Network, they just kept pushing the envelope, eh? They just keep really thinking of like what the next thing is. Well, you know, the, like all well, here, you see, I saw one with like rat in the kitchen or something. What? It's That's like, Ratatouille, bro. That's no, their- no. It's, <laughs> it's one where they have... It's like, on a second. You want to have a cartoon. <laughs> no, they have, Stay on my so lane, It's bro. like a cooking show, but they have a fake chef in the show, and they need to find out who the fake chef is. Oh, and then like... Oh, rat, like they have like a figurative rat. Figurative rat. Literal rat. Yeah. I thought they made a release of rats in the kitchen. It's called Rat in the Kitchen. I told you. Yeah, I was just watching. I'm Get like, the what out. the fuck? Wow, There's like a, they plant a normal person in a cooking show with like real wannabe chefs. Yeah, yeah. And they have you have to be able to find out who the who the person is. So oh, you have to like fun. guess who the fucking rat in the kitchen is, right? That's what they call Yo, but all broadcasters right now, every every type of TV, they're battling like TikTok. Because TikTok or, you know, like social, they're holding people so much people's attention. 
It's like, how do we get people's attention back to, you know, traditional screens or get them watching our stuff on their devices, but our stuff, not like the, the yeah, things. Not that, social media. So this is the challenge with the traditional broadcasts in general right now. And so, you know, everybody's trying to push the envelope to try and do new things. And uh, the networks are doing really good at it. Yeah. When you make, yeah, yeah, I've seen that. No, I think oh, it was right? Food Network. Or, no, sorry. You say Food Network or Netflix? What is it? Food Network had the show where they did the Halloween challenge every year, and they would like you'd have to make like um, you'd make a Halloween display out of cake and and like you know. All oh this stuff. yeah, yeah, yeah. The, the, and, like the, and it would look real, but then Netflix made one that you'd have to guess which is fake, which is real. Oh, did it? Oh, really? Oh, I didn't know Netflix started on TikTok. Oh, interesting. Well, Netflix. Yeah. Yeah, well, think about think about how many like social media influencers end up getting their own shows after. Yeah, but you know what happens? A they lot of them don't have shows for very long. Two seasons, right? Like they got like one or two seasons. And you know what they all do though? They all podcast. They yeah, all start a podcast. A lot of podcasts. <laughs> Pretty much what everyone does. Yeah. yeah. Except we were we were before them. I mean, we did it before the pe- before it kind of started getting popular, but nobody knows that. <laughs> we were eight weeks before the pandemic. <laughs> yeah. Ten and episodes then, in. Yo, the podcast. Eight weeks earlier, exploded. less listeners. The podcasting yeah. exploded, man. Is it? You know what? what Ever since style? Joe Rogan caught like whatever hundred million, right. everybody's like, Yo, I want to catch hundred million. <laughs> yeah, we we made like so when when Joe Rogan got the Spotify deal, we made like a joke video like. He's holding a spoon, like I have I'm, headphones on that aren't even plugged in. Yeah, I'm holding. I something. pick my wedgie like yeah. in front of the camera. It was clearly a jokes video saying we just signed an exclusive deal with Spotify. Like, thank you for all yeah. the support. <laughs> yeah. It's all, obviously a joke. Everyone messages. Just congrats, congrats man! This is huge. Like, that's I was amazing. like, guys, I literally picked my butt in front of the but camera. But this is a spoon. Like, how at, the end, at the end, that? at the end, we're literally like, oh, you think that that was good, right? That was good. Okay, props. Like, this is the conundrum of the parody of the social media because like you don't know what people are actually trying to do for real or what's like they're trying yeah. to clown you know yeah, yeah. it's crazy and it goes back to that last point you mentioned about like um albums and that one danielle pulled it up it was halsey that said it the article that i was reading on the whatever newsletter i got talked about how halsey said her label wouldn't release a song until she had a viral moment and that the labels are actually promoting people have fake viral moments to generate yeah, hype because they're not going to release it until the drop okay so here's an example right? name five albums that you love any genre, uh, just Forest, five albums. Four Still Drive. Carter Three. Um, Blueprint. Uh, black and Blue. Uh, no, Black Black and Blue, uh, Gary Clark Jr., Chris Stapleton, whatever oh, the one so that good. thing is on. Um, parachute. Cow, um, fuck. Yeah, I can name parachute, right now. parachute and Whiskey something. I can't remember the names of these songs now. Other two albums. Um, record over here. Probably like. I can't think of two more right now. What about you? What about you? Oh, I can do oh, this easy. Just five. Oh, right five. Yeah, Just, doesn't have the top five. Justified. Justin Timberlake. Cloud That's Nine. Kygo. Yeah. Babel. Uh, Mumford. Um, mine. Yeah, it's a good one. Uh, Blueprint. Jay-Z. Carter Three. Lil Wayne. Um, okay, so that's five, right? Yeah. So here's the thing, right? Everybody I ask this question, their tastes are very eclectic. But you have these streaming platforms that feed you a playlist that thinks that you want to listen to other blueprints other carter threes other like, gary clark juniors yeah, yeah, yeah when in reality and they'll just feed you 10 gary clark jr derivatives yeah yeah right 
where in actuality as the consumer, like they're so off base. In actuality, as a listener, you listen to all kinds of stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> right? So everybody's chasing the algorithm and the marketplace behind the algorithm, but that's not what the marketplace is actually doing. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's a false economy. Yeah, yeah. Right? Yeah. But they perpetuate it because they add dollars behind it. As long as you put the ad dollars, we'll do whatever, right? So it's a very interesting thing because you have the tech leading the the, the creative and, and the industry, but the consumers aren't like that. I don't know one consumer out there who only, I don't know one human out there who only listens to country music 24-7. You know how many people I know can spit off like Garth Brooks lyrics and Lil Wayne lyrics? You know how many people I know that could do that? It's crazy. Yeah, yeah. And so that's why I always say it's like, just do you, man, because you might look a certain way. And you, I'm thinking, oh, he just want to hear tarantellas and shit like this, <laughs> right? But that's not your vibe, right? Do you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. That's not your vibes, bro. Right? It it's true though, and the, the one of the things that kind of brings actually this kind of brings a full circle. We're talking about, um, you know, from the beginning withholding judgment when you meet someone and let them kind of figure out who they are. And it's funny because that point means that the algorithms are trying to typecast you and feed you something. But on top of that, one of the other things we're talking about having a unique um, sound and perspective. And having a different sound. No one will know. Like, people don't know necessarily what they like. People know what they like, but that you only know the things you like that exist that you've experienced. You can't know the things you like that you have not experienced yet. Mm. And if the algorithm's feeding you stuff that you like that is similar to what you like, mm. you're like, you're not being open to new things, creating this, like, in theory, an echo chamber. Mm-hmm. I didn't know I liked, um, f- um, what's their names? Uh, shit. Ger- uh, Greta Van Fleet. Mm-hmm. And Greta Van Fleet, apparently, I didn't know this, they get some criticism for sounding kind of like Led Zeppelin. I never knew I liked Led Zeppelin. Right, but right. I saw them once, I'm like, that's cool. Yeah, so I listened yeah. to them. I found, I found them on SNL. And then you heard Lil Wayne sample Lil Zeppelin, and you're like, oh, snap, that's crazy. Now you're on that shit, but right? Like, that stuff would have never came into my algorithm. It wasn't like Netflix or Spotify. It I was like, here, listen came. to this. Like, put on... I've talked about this before. I think Saturday Night Saturday Night Live does a very good job of curating their like music appearances on the yeah, show. Yeah, really good. Yeah. And everyone I've heard is, is incredible. But they're also they pull different genres. They're trying to find what would fit with the theme and the song. And because that's hot. how people are, and bro. They cu- <laughs> and, they cur- and they curate it right. Like people I can see Little Wayne on Saturday Night Live. The next week I'll see Dua Lipa. The next week I see Greta Van Fleet. My then girl. I see then I see some. Chris, it's eclectic, and that's what you need. You need to be exposed to these eclectic experiences. I don't even know if it's eclectic. That's just how people are. Fair. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? You get up in the morning, you're like, you know what? I'm just going to put on sweats today. Fuck it. Another day, you're like, yo, I feel like dressing up. You know, I'm going to try and catch catch a, catch a partner out there today. <laughs> you know what I mean? So you're like a little flossy and you go out and you're like, shave your shit up. You know? Maybe you brush your teeth that day. You brush your teeth three times a day. I can tell. I can tell. Yeah, yeah. Them, them shits is white, bro. Oh man, hey, this, been, this is a good one. Yeah. But, oh, then y'all reminded us something. What's that? Pierogies for kids. Yeah, pierogies for kids. So check this out, right? I've been working with Save the Children since 2011. I've been to Peru with them. I've been to Bangladesh with them. Um, I've been working with them on numerous campaigns over the years since 2011. Okay, so long history with them. You know, the whole Ukraine thing happened with Russia. I'll tell you the story. When I was when we moved to Alberta when I was five, 
my parents needed to understand like the culture that we kind of just land dropped into right so i would come home some days and they'd be like one day i came home and there's this ukrainian baba 80 something years old in the kitchen teaching my mother how to make pierogies the woman could not speak english my mother could not speak ukrainian but there they were communicating around food my my, my mother literally rolled up on this woman in the grocery and be like, yo, I want to learn how to make this. And she's showing her. She's like, okay, I'll come to your house, basically. So I come home from school one day, and she's there doing this thing, right? So when I opened my restaurant, Twist, by Roger Mooking at, at Pearson, I um, I put pierogies on the menu. And I did, like, these loaded pierogies. And they're kind of, like, harkening back to that moment, right? So then this whole stuff happened with Russia and Ukraine started, you know, what is, like, three, four months ago now, or whatever it is. Um and I was like, yeah, this is crazy. But it also made me realize, recall and recognize, because I've been working with Save the Children for years, this is the same thing that's happening in Syria and Yemen and so many yeah, yeah. parts of <laughs> Palestine, like Israel, so yeah. many parts of the world, right? And so I was like, okay, so I want to do an initiative while this is in, in people's mind and it's an authentic story drawing in and so we created this campaign called Pierogies for Kids. So if you come to Twist, there's a, a QR code. You hit it on the table, and you can go. It goes to the donation page. Uh, you can donate directly to Save the Children through that portal, or you can order a pierogies from that original story that, that started, that's been on the menu for the last seven years. You order a pierogies, and proceeds from that order of pierogies go directly to save the children so you know since we launched this campaign we're selling more pierogies because people yeah. are just down with it and they realize oh, these pierogies kind of good too but they're they're invested so they'll add a pierogies yeah. to their thing you know what i mean or yeah, people yeah. are just coming through and like yo i'm gonna support this and they're just donating straight up so it's been really cool to be able to do that um because you know a lot of people a lot of times you forget you know y'all travel a lot but you're traveling for leisure a lot of times when people are traveling, it's because they got to go to a funeral, you know, and they're in the kind of this compassionate state of mind, you know, um, and, and I'm not looking to take advantage of that. Right. But this is an authentic story and an authentic thing they were doing. I've been working with them for a long time and it was just a great it was a no brainer a way to execute it with all the infrastructure that we had at hand. So pierogies for kids. You could go to twistbyrajamooking.com slash pierogies, and you can go and donate if you're so inspired right now as well. Love That's that. awesome, man. That's a great. Like, honestly, good for you to do something like that. And the fact that you bring it like full circle and it obviously comes from a place of like personal experience and all that too, it's awesome, man. I told you I like to make things to help people, bro. That's my life. Bro, you're a maker. It's you're amazing. a creator. I'm a maker. Where, and I got to ask this. Which, where exactly is Twist in, in relation to If you're to flying um, Terminal 1 domestically, okay. uh, there's like two moving sidewalks. As you come off those moving sidewalks, it's on the left, directly on the left. You can't miss it. Next time you're at Pearson, go buy some pierogies. Go buy some pierogies. You have my word. We'll be there next time we're there. Yeah. Fly domestic. I don't know. If, I'll probably fly domestic again pretty soon. I'm trying from work lately. Yeah, more. I don't domestic. fly domestic very much. Oh, sorry. Ooh, yeah, sorry. Alberta, no? Banff. Banff. Yeah, maybe Banff. Are we going to Banff? Are we going potentially, to Banff? Potentially. Potentially. Are we going to Never been to Banff. Yo, Banff is beautiful. Oh, I, sorry. I went once as like a kid, kid. So Banff is one of the. Yo, I took. I used to live in Edmonton. So we had some family visit us in Edmonton like in the 80s, right? And uh, 
we took my uncle to Banff. He stopped. We stopped at this one point. It's the most beautiful scene. The guy just started crying. He goes, I've never seen something so beautiful in my life, man. Yeah, it's insane. it's incredible. Like Banff, Jasper, the Rocky Mountains is incredible. We got to get out there, ski trip this year. You got to go, bro. It's, well, it's we were supposed amazing. to go last year with the podcast, actually. We were going to film a, a couple episodes out in. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. But COVID. Yeah, COVID. So, go Jasper, go Banff. It's incredible. We're going to do it next year. When we go, we're going to call you for food food recommendations because you clearly have a spot somewhere. Eh, there's not no? a lot of great spots out there. Man. <laughs> not that I've had. You know. Okay, fair enough. <laughs> hey, well, if you bring me along, I'll cook up some shit for you. Uh, that, that might be possible. <laughs> maybe, maybe that's it. Maybe that's. And the then you'll be like, yo, this is the spot. <laughs> Room 506. I'll have hot plates in there and shit like the Marleys. The Marleys do that, right? They, ca- they tour with a chef. And so the chef like has hot plates, and they're in the they're in the hotel with hot plates, making like oxtail and curry goat, and then like all this. That's <laughs> amazing. And everybody comes into that cook's room and like posts up, gets their Come food, on. goes back to their room. It's, it's a vibe, man. It's, it's amazing, sick. though. I love, I love that. It. All right, all right, Roger, guys. Man, thanks for coming, man. This was a blast. Bless, man. Thank you. This thanks awesome. for having me. Man. Oh, you're always welcome. Thank you, man. Yeah, I come back when I'm about to drop this other stuff. We'll come. We'll, we'll talk Absolutely. about it. Drop if people want to find out more about you, what you're doing, everything, where can they go? How can they find uh, you? Everything is at Roger Mooking. R-O-G-E-R-M-O-O-K-I-N-G. At Roger Mooking. Or if you go to rogermooking.com, it'll take you everywhere as well and Beauty. navigate you. Uh, Danielle will drop the links and everything. But man, Roger, great, great conversation, great chat. And man, can't say, I can't wait to see what you're up to in the coming months, man. I feel like it's going to be exciting. Yeah, but for you, now, y'all go peep edibles, man. Go yeah. peep this edibles. Watch uh, Firemasters. Go order some pierogies. We'll make sure we link everything. We'll put everything. Too, <laughs> so, yeah, everything, everything, everything that we didn't talk about because we talked about a lot already. So anything we missed, we'll make sure we link. But uh, other than that, man, thanks again for joining us. Respect, man. Thank you. All right. Man. Cheers, guys. Thanks. See ya. You like to drink and to smoke to take away the pain. And I don't remember all of my mistakes in every high. Got alone, no one thing. You're not alright. I'm not alright. Oh, bro.